Welcome to Startup Syndrome with me, Julia Delin. And me, Andreas Johansson. It's the entrepreneur's problem if they can't explain an idea super simple so that your mom understands. I've definitely failed it because I don't know if my mom still knows what I do for a living. (laughs) This is the podcast where you get an unfiltered view of Stockholm's vibrant startup scene, also known as one of the greatest in the world. Today is our triannual demo day that we host here at the SSE Business Lab, which is where basically our latest batch of startups get to pitch for a room full of investors. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, the last few weeks here have been spent in prep mode ahead of this event, but for the companies, they've been prepping for this for a few months now. Yes, especially the ones in our Activate program who get pitch training every single week of the program in the entire eight to 10 weeks that they are here. Yeah, and it's always the same thing every program. At the start of the program, they're like, oh, two months from now, that's super far ahead. I don't need to practice on my pitch. And then suddenly everything just switches from one day to the next. Like, oh, it's two weeks away. (laughs) (laughs) And they are being pitch trained because we know that it's super important to actually practice your pitch, not only so that you get every word right, but also because it's good to be on stage or at least in front of a lot of people and practice just standing and talking. Yeah. And I always say that putting together a pitch deck is a really good exercise to kind of figuring out the different parts of your business and putting together a really good pitch is also a really good way to kind of practice communicating about your startup, whether that be to investors, but maybe also to employees or partners or, of course, clients as well. Yeah, because pitching is about selling and you pitch to investors for selling parts of your company, right? But you also pitch to employees to bet their career on coming on to your company or pitching to partners to partner up with you despite being a super, super small company maybe at the start. So pitching is its so much about getting people on board. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. And a question that we often get is, why three minutes? Because at our demo days, the companies get three minutes each for, for the pitch. And that's quite standard, I would say, in the startup ecosystems around the world. But they are always a bit angry with us that they don't get more time. But why do we have three minutes? I love how everyone's like, but can't I do three <laughs> minutes and a half? Why is it so important? And of course, the timings aren't that important in like, we're going to stop you or anyone's going to stop you after three minutes. But it's a quite good middle way of pitching something. It's not too long so that people get tired, but it's still short enough to get people interested and exciting about parts of your idea because you tell them about the business case, you tell them about the business model, you tell them about the growth potential, you tell them about the market size, you know, you give all of these different aspects of your company that everyone then afterwards, if they're interested in one part, they can ask more about that and you don't have to focus on everything all at once. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, what long term you want to achieve is you being comfortable in explaining your business case and business idea in whatever time frame you're allocated. Sometimes Mm. maybe you're meeting the most important person in the world, but you only get five seconds to convince them to continue listening. The typical... Uh, you meet elevator. someone in the elevator. <laughs> no, but uh, I think it's a good skill to have and kind of requiring more time because this is such a complicated idea and I need to explain all of this. Then you've misunderstood the point of a pitch. 
I hate that saying. When someone tells me that it's too complicated of an idea to pitch in three minutes, I I <laughs> always recommend them to read The Mom Test. Have you read that one? I have not read that one. It's a really good book about it's the entrepreneur's problem if they can't explain an idea super simple so that your mom understands. <laughs> That's actually a good test. Yeah. I've definitely failed it because I don't know if my mom still knows what I do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I say to people, I work at a school and then just leave it at that. <laughs> Technically, that's true. Uh, it reminds me of the time I was working in New York and was helping a company uh, establish there. And this entrepreneur, we were kind of having a meeting with this entrepreneur. I'm not going to mention this person's name. And in order to ascertain some info from this person, we kind of sat down with this person and because we needed that info to be able to help this company. And this person just went on and on, like, I can't explain this. It's way too complex of an idea. I'll try my best. And we were like, okay, what is this? And then when uh, this entrepreneur explained, we were like, what? It's super easy. Everyone can understand this. And <laughs> I've heard this person say this over and over again since then, which I think, um, I mean, don't uh, don't overestimate how complicated your idea is. Yeah. And it's up to the entrepreneur to be able to explain that because an idea is never too complicated to pitch, especially in a one-liner or something, because you can always elaborate after but what we are talking about is basically being able to pitch something so that you entice people to want to hear more. Because what I think many people get wrong is that as you do a pitch, they expect investors to invest right after you pitched and your pitch needs to include everything for them to be able to make a decision. But that's not the case, right? No, uh, I mean, the purpose of a pitch is just to interest investors enough to want to hear more from you. And then you can do that maybe at the mingle if it's an event or at a follow-up meeting. In any case, there's going to be quite a lot of meetings between that first kind of peak of interest until the investment decision. And you don't need to kind of front load all the info in the first interaction. Just, just enough of a tidbit, like a trailer to a movie, mm. to entice them enough to want to see the actual movie. Exactly. And it's just like with sales. You should talk as little as possible and you should get the investor or the employee to ask as many questions as possible because then you understand what is their interest about your company. Maybe it's not about the business model that you had planned to talk 10 minutes about. Maybe they are only interested in the competition. And then it's better to focus on that and spend time on answering the questions that someone uh, across from you is having. Yeah, and when we coach our startups when it comes to pitching, of course, a lot of the focus is on the content on the pitch. So what you're actually saying, what you're showing on the slides, the figures and numbers and projections and so on. And I think that is important, but I would almost argue what's even more important is like how you deliver mm. the actual pitch. And then you can almost say anything. As long as you deliver it in a way which interests people, you'll probably get a follow-up meaning at least. And like we've mentioned now, it's because it's sales. And part of that is like a rational evaluation from the investors in that they want to see that you're good and skilled at sales so that you can entice also other investors and future employees and partners and of course clients. But part of it is also like people are human and no matter how much of a rational decision you take and everything on paper looks really good, if they don't feel in their gut that this is interesting or they don't feel excited about something, you're gonna have a very difficult time convincing someone to take a follow-up meeting. 
Yeah, I think it's super interesting. In the beginning of my career, I heard many investors say that they hated corporate finance companies uh, when they were meeting startups. So basically, these corporate finance firms, they help startups, but mostly bigger companies raise capital from external investors. And what they do is sort of being that connection between the startup and the investor. But in startups, and especially early stage, investors want to meet the startup founders. They don't want to meet, meet a middle hand between them, right? So in our industry, it's so important for the investors to understand if you as a founder are good at sales, not only to them as an investor, but to future investors and to potential customers. Because as a founder, you're also going to sell to potential customers and you're going to sell to potential employees. And so sales becomes such an important aspect of what your competence should have. And as part of that, we usually say to our companies that, I mean, 99 out of 100 pitches usually starts with first the problem and then the solution. Mm. And uh, I've heard a lot of companies wanting to start with, but first I want to explain this about the product. Then I can get into why we have this feature or whatever. Um, and I tell them, like, you need a, you need to give people listening a reason to continue listening. You don't kind of automatically get their attention. You need and the why. Exactly. And the problem is basically the why of why you start a business. It's explaining this is something that we observed or kind of experienced ourselves or something that can be addressed. Here's our solution to it. But if you don't have that first part, no one is going to care about a solution to something you haven't explained or they don't care about at all. Yeah. So you need to start with giving them a reason to care about what you're explaining. Yeah, this comes back to the favorite book recommendation that you had in the previous yeah. <laughs> episode. Start with why. It's a really good book by Simon Sinek if you want to read more about why it's important that we start with the why. Yeah, because just imagine you're telling them about your business model or the competitive landscape. But in order for them to care about that, they need to care about the business at all from the beginning. And in order to care about that, they need to care about why you are doing this. And starting with the problem is a really good way of starting with the why, because that's usually why this company exists. So what would you say are the biggest types of why or how to really begin a pitch? Yeah, so I mean, it's a skill pitching, I would say storytelling and, and all of that is a skill. And storytelling is, in my opinion, one of the best ways to kind of contextualize the why. It's quite boring and great to only explain that this is the problem and then very formulaic, this is our solution, da, da, da. that will also make people lose interest. But kind of fitting that into a story, either like a founder story, uh, something that you've experienced yourselves, maybe you come up with a character or a persona and take them through a user journey of before and after using your product, or like using more common tropes that we all know of, like maybe David versus Goliath mm. and, you know, the existing legacy players are the Goliaths and you are the David. That's uh, my favorite. So I love storytelling, but of course you can use other methods as well, like, you know, Starting out with a question that addresses the audience is a very common way to start a pitch uh, because that grabs their attention and engages them. Also like a striking fact. Did you know, for instance, that we spend on average five years of our lives waiting in lines? What? This I want to hear more about. Do you have a solution on this? <laughs> and then the, the pitch might be about the most boring, like 
B2B SaaS efficiency <laughs> solution for lines at DMVs or something, which, I mean, no one is going to care about that unless they start out by caring about potentially losing five years of their lives to standing in lines. Yeah. And what all of these have in common is that we connect to the human being that is sitting across from us. Because when we explain some B2B sauce that maybe is very difficult to explain to many people, then it's very, very easy to lose that connection to the investor or to the employee that's sitting across from us, right? So what we want to do is create this common framework or commonalities between us, and then we can build from that. So if both you and I have in common that we hate being in line or we've uh, we've spent so much time queuing to things that we can really connect on that question that really helps us it's the same with david and goliath it's the same with like asking a question and that question should be a question that everyone says yes on (laughs) i I think we should include that and uh, i've talked a little bit about this before but the difference between swedes and americans when it comes Mm. to pitching and just to kind of uh, exemplify that difference when we're working with our great pitch coach here she has like a 10-step guide of Things that should be included or are expected to be included in a pitch. Uh, Things like business model and competition and so on. Um, But (laughs) our American pitch coach, which I used to work with uh, when I was back in uh, in New York, he had four things that needed to be included in a pitch. Which ones were there? It was greatness, (laughs) which basically boils down to problem and solution. It was opportunity, Mm. credibility, and ask. Mm. And that's all you need to include. So I would say basically it's a similar type of framework where like opportunity is like the market and the business model and credibility is the team and maybe explain the tech a bit more. Mm. Uh, and then the ask is like the, the ending of any pitch. Uh, but it mu- it's much more of a loose framework and gives the pitcher much more room to kind of implement uh, his or her own personalities and ideas and thoughts and expressions and storytelling and so on. So yeah, there is a difference in culture, definitely. And I think that's a really good model to use for an elevator pitch. If you just have 10 to 30 seconds to pitch your idea, maybe it's the most important parts is that you talk a bit about why what you do is so great, a bit about the why you are the ones to do it or the credibility part a bit about the opportunity that lies ahead of you, the growth potential and everything. And then just, if you want to ask something, you ask. Yeah, I think it's a good model. So we've created a habit where we sit here and we talk about how to best do things, but we rarely show off. (laughs) (laughs) Our skills and how to do it, which are usually less than what we say that we can. (laughs) It's easiest to be the coach. It's much more difficult to be the player. Yeah. So today we wanted to challenge ourselves a bit. And we are going to, in the moment, create some fun pitches and see if we can actually start with the why and give you any of these type of frameworks that we've already talked about in the pitch. Let's try. Mm. So, Andreas... Can you pitch me food safety monitoring with IoT? Food safety monitoring with IoT. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Mm. Uh, I need a name for this hypothetical startup. Food safely, maybe. (laughs) With the Y at the end. (laughs) It's just safely. Safely? Yeah. Okay. 
That name sucks, but let's go with it. <laughs> so a couple weeks back, I went with some friends to a lovely Italian restaurant. We had a great time. Everyone was in a happy mood. The food was amazing. But then, coming home, I spent most of the evening on all fours. I had caught a case of food poisoning. This not only made my evening horrible, but of course, I won't be coming back to that restaurant. And despite them doing everything I assume in their power to keep the food fresh, things like this occur. Did you know that 80% of all meals served are actually in risk of being contaminated? No. Introducing foofly. (laughs) (laughs) Safely. (laughs) Safely. With this IoT monitor in their kitchen, it measures humidity, it measures temperature, and gives you the risk of a potential contamination. So that you, as a restaurant, always knows that the food that you're serving is okay to serve. Wow. (laughs) So, this was made up, by the way. Yeah, the stat is also made up, so don't quote me on that. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, a great way to show off sort of a founder story, telling it from your perspective and then solving the problem for the restaurant even, not yeah. for the consumer. Mm? Nice. Your turn. Okay. What should I pitch? Uh, pitch Airbnb, but for EV charging. So did you know that in Sweden, Tesla owns 90% of the fast EV charging market. I did not. This is a huge problem because we're putting all of our trust in one corporation to solve this super important problem for Swedish EV users, right? It's a company that has so much power and we need to give power back to the people. (laughs) I love it. There's a hint of David and Goliath there. I can tell it. (laughs) Imagine an app that lets you see all of the different EV charging stations at people's houses. And you just find the ones that are available on your route and you pay directly through the app and just the payment goes straight to the homeowner. Wouldn't you use that? Wow. Not Mm. only would I use that, I have goosebumps sitting here. Okay. Andreas, last pitch. Give us dream analysis AI. Dream analysis AI. Okay. I love it. This is a good idea. (laughs) I need to make this pitch really stand out. Yeah. You can think ChatGPT. Okay. Have you ever woken up from a night's sleep wondering what did that dream really mean? Yeah, happens all the time. They say that dreams are the windows to our soul. And with all of us searching for meaning, searching for purpose, what if we could analyze our dreams, find purpose, find meaning through our dreams using AI? Introducing Dream AI, your way of finding purpose in your life by understanding what it is that your subconscious is thinking about. Wow. You had so much passion in that (laughs) pitch. I loved it. I almost gave myself a (laughs) goosebumps. I want this product. (laughs) It is a good product. 
So you really had this question starting with telling the story of the persona, really giving us insight into this person's mind of what they want to achieve. And I felt a connection there because I also would love to interpret my dreams with an AI. And I mean, I think these now are examples were a bit silly, but I think the point was it's more than just letting people know that there is a problem there and you have a solution to it. It's actually engaging with the people, the humanity in them uh, <laughs> by telling stories, by using tricks like asking questions and so on, actually getting down to the person behind the, the role. So getting to this week's alumni company, and it's your time to choose. So I chose a company called Yollibox, which is basically a company that did frozen yogurt in convenience store packages and mm. sold that. And it was founded by Victoria Carlson and Sofie Stenmark in 2011. Fun fact, Sofie Stenmark is actually at the Business Lab right now as well with her second company, Tutu, that we also recently invested in. Yeah, a real serial entrepreneur. Yeah, and even more of a serial entrepreneur because she and Victoria actually applied with a completely different idea when they first applied in 2011. Really? What idea? It was a designer handbag idea that they wanted to do like a trendy Michael Kors version, which is so funny because the first company that she and Sofie Åkerlund, who is, she's now running Tutu with, applied with here at the Business Lab in 2019. It was also a designer handbag <laughs> yeah, brand. <laughs> I remember, which they now have pivoted from. Yes. <laughs> so maybe if we see them a third time applying, they'll actually stick to their original handbag idea. Or if someone is quicker than them, you can apply <laughs> to the Business Lab with this idea because they really like it. Yeah, so do I. And uh, she told me a fun story, actually, that when they were at the business lab and they were just about to launch, they couldn't afford a place to rent for the actual launch party. So they asked the then CEO of the business lab if they could paint the business lab <laughs> really? in their colors. And he said yes. And so they basically painted the old common area of the business lab in like their colors, really? which were like... Turquoise, pink, <laughs> purple. <laughs> I feel like I have some legacy to live up to. If someone comes and asks me something like that, I'll be like, oh, actually, I want to say no, but <laughs> you go ahead and paint, whatever. <laughs> Later, though, Yollibox was acquired by Triumph Glass in 2017. And then Sophie went on to start her next company. And now she's here again. Yeah. So that's Yollibox. Yeah. Company of the week. So, to wrap up, what is our carve-out of the week? Yeah, so I have a, a tip for people who are in a lot of meetings. We actually had a workshop in the team this morning, kind of bringing in an external facilitator to help us in some different areas. And he talked a little bit about the importance of aligning as a team, which I think everyone is aware of, but also attuning, mm. which is a new concept 
uh, for me. But aligning is, of course, what you do cognitively or mentally, like aligning on goals and visions and all of that. Attuning is physically. So being on the same energy level, being having the same presence in the room. And I think everyone can relate to having meetings where someone is on their phone or someone is, you know, having their mind somewhere else or thinking about their to-do list. So we did some mindfulness to start out the session, not saying that everyone needs to start every meeting with mindfulness, but just being present or having some check-in at the beginning of meetings made a huge difference. And everyone was not only aligned, but attuned in this meeting. I love that. Yeah. So that's my carve-out, my tip is to... Think a little bit about not only alignment, but attunement in your meetings. Nice. I will do that. That was it for this week's episode. And we are back as usual next Wednesday for you to listen to us talk about something else in the Stockholm startup ecosystem. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.